Thanks, Phil. Um, I want to start just by, I guess, I guess rehashing a bit of Mark. Um, I, have, I haven't sort of done this, done this too much, but the first, the first two chapters really have been the Mark, are, I guess, laying out Jesus' authority, Jesus, Jesus' lordship. And there's something to be said about lordship, I think. I just sense a, a spirit of heaviness and weariness over this church this morning. This is not in my sermon. <laughs> this is not the plan. There is something to be said about the lordship of Jesus. It does not matter what you are up against right now. It does not matter where you are. It does not matter how far you are from God. It does not matter the circumstances of your, of your life. What matters is the absolute authority and the lordship of your saviour. That has to be that has to move past from just a statement to a to a to a firm heart belief in us. I'm just let me let me, let me just move on. <laughs> Otherwise, the sermon could go out the window today very, very fast. Uh, we've, we've seen that Jesus has ultimate authority over, over Satan, over sin, over demons, over disease, over illness, over a whole bunch of other, whole bunch of other things. And he calls ordinary people to come follow him. Ordinary people, and then also those other bad people who we don't like, like tax collectors, Right? And that God's grace, essentially, and forgiveness is available to everybody. That's, that's the good news of, of the gospel. And, and notice that Jesus, uh, I guess, invitation in these first two chapters is not, is not to recruit people to a course of your best life now. It's, it, it's, not, to rec- it's not to recruit people to, you know, like 12 steps to a better spiritual life or, or whatever, whatever the thing's going on. What, what has been really apparent so far, and it, it just continues on in Mark's gospel, is the, is the brutality of a sense that I've got to give away all of me to take on all of Christ. That, that seems to be, there's, there's, there's just this common theme of the cost of following Jesus just keeps coming up. And uh, the, you know, the call's been to put aside your past and put aside your, your money, put aside your career, put aside your, your ambitions and all the, all, the other, all the other things that we hold on to tightly to and to essentially put aside life as we know it and take on life as he does it and live that way, right? Uh, one, of, one of the necessary changes that we've had to make in our life since... Uh, April last year has been uh, the the evolution of our wardrobe. Coming from Queensland, uh, I think you can probably imagine we were good with shorts and good with t-shirts. And I, th- there are people who wear thongs in Victoria, even if it's just me. Right? Uh, it became very very apparent in about April last year that we were under-equipped for the job. Right? So uh, we did a couple of a couple of cold weather trips to Anaconda and other places and. Amanda did, you know, online shopping for thermals and beanies and tracksuit pants and um, electric blankets. We haven't told the kids about them yet. <laughs> anyway, we've had to adapt to the reality that, um, that, that unfortunately, uh, you can, 
you can do water activities in Queensland for about 11 months of the year, right? Down here it's about, what, five, six or something, <laughs> something like that. But fortunately, the, the journey of becoming Victorian takes, what, 25 years? Isn't that, isn't that right? Tw or 20 years? So we still have some room to, we still have some room to go anyway. And I, and I guess that's, that's the evolution, I guess, in this, in this whole gospel of Mark so far. It's, the, it's, this, it's this putting aside our self-interest and recognising recognizing Jesus' authority and his lordship. And, and it's, like, it's like moving to this whole other level of living in a sense. And the next thing that Jesus has, has, a, has a crack at, I, I think it, he invites us to put aside an empty religious practice or legalism that, that is not solely centred on who he is. And whether, whether it's out... The, it, Jesus is faced with these, with these basically like three different stories and three different situations where people are, are more concerned about Jesus and his disciples and not necessarily what they're doing, but whether they are actually keeping the status quo in terms of... Their, all their, you know, the rules and regulations, and whether it's fasting or whether it's, you know, eating out in the grain fields or even in a synagogue, there, there seems to be this, these, these people who don't, who don't seem to have any idea of celebrating what it is to have a relationship with God. What, they, what, they're, what they're pursuing instead is walking around with a clipboard, ticking off things that other people are doing, and there just seems, and there just seems to be this, you know, this, you know, this criticism here about, about, Let's make big of everybody else's mistakes and just, and just be a, like, like live our lives being a spectator. And that, that sort of living steals the joy, the God-given, spirit-given joy of Jesus. And just in case any of us think, we've, you know, well, well I'm, not really that bad. I'm not really that bad. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I've got to tell you, I see this tendency in myself as well. I went to a, uh, a friend's church once, uh, several years ago, and sitting over, on, sitting over on the far, on the far sort of like, you know right hand side here, and there was a there, there's, a, there's a guy who basically is 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 sitting there kneeling on the floor with his head in the carpet, and he was there for about half an hour before the service, and he was there for the first for the first half hour of the service afterwards, and he and he and he didn't move. He just he just lay there and he was cl clearly praying or you know, or whatever else. I was I, I was sitting there at church going, I just want to sing and, and, and do some religious stuff. This guy is over here on his knees, and I'm like, what sort of wacko is this guy? I talked to my friend afterwards and he goes, That man is my saving grace. Every morning, every Sunday morning, he loves nothing more than coming and being in the presence of God. And he comes there and he starts, it, starts half an hour before and he prays for the Holy Spirit to come and impact the lives of our church. And he keeps praying until the sermon starts and then he retreats to my office and he keeps praying for me. He said, it's no wonder that the church keeps growing. It's no mistake. It all starts with the guy on his knees. I'm pretty sure I said that before, Right? My inner tendency was to judge the guy because he wasn't doing the right thing. He was actually the guy who was doing the most important thing. But none, enough about me. <laughs> the, the, 
The first question is fasting, and we've, we've already preached on fasting this year, so I'm not going to do it again. But, but it was a common spiritual practice in, in Jesus' day, encouraging people to, to think beyond the natural world and start thinking with expectation about the fulfillment of, of all of God's promises. Yeah, the, the Pharisees you know, probably, probably fasted twice a week, but it had become an exercise in self fulfillment and self-promotion and maybe checklist sort of living you know and it's no surprise that you've got this picture here of the fulfillment of God's promises right in front of them you've got the 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 fulfillment of God's of all of God's promises in the person of Jesus right in front of these people and they can't get past it because that because they're because they're convinced that surely when this savior comes he's going to keep all the rules that we've that we've kept too, too close to us. This, the second scenario is, is about the requirements of the Sabbath. And it's, and it's interesting, if you go back and read Genesis 2, which I have this week, um, God doesn't spell out in prescriptive detail what the Sabbath looks like. He just, it, it just says God rested from his work and he enjoyed what he had made. And it, I think it's a really good principle, by the way, to actually aim to have a 24-hour period of time each week to rest from your work and from your effort and to enjoy his creation and to enjoy him and to enjoy all the things he's given you. I don't do that very well. And I need to do it a lot better. And I know how, how, how crazy that sounds in a world that is, that, that is driven to do stuff like, like ours is. What, what God had left open for his creation to, to basically, you know, in, or, in order for them to find rest in him, had inevitably become a list of things that you've got to do and, and things that you can't do. Harvesting grain, out of the question. But, and, and also, you, can, you can't carry a fig. Oh, okay, well, hang on, you can, you can carry half a fig. Oh, no, that, that isn't very fair. Maybe you can carry half a fig twice. That's, that, that, that's what this, this sort of thing had become. Now, before you laugh about it, that's what we do as well, so don't, 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 don't get too excited. That, you know, the, you've got this situation where the, you know, the, the Sabbath is a gift from God. It's, it's a gift for today that points us forward to a rest that one day will never end. How good does that sound right now? Right? It points us forward to that sovereign rest that God has for his people one day into eternity. And then you've got this, and then you have the, the, the indignity, in a sense, of, of Jesus being told, you can't respond in compassion to somebody in need right in front of you because it's not the right day of the week. And I think you can probably sense within Jesus that this is just, as he looks around and he sees hard hearts, which is probably which is probably the opposite of what he's about. And it's probably the opposite of what his people, the church, should be about. That his blood pressure might be rising a little bit. God, God gets righteous, righteous anger. We, we don't. He, he, can, he can do that. We, we can't. I, I could chat about this passage probably for hours, but, but, but I, think it's, I think it's actually a useful conversation for us to have in terms in terms of our vision moving forward because I think 
What, what Jesus keeps getting back to in this, in this passage, in, this, in, in each of these stories, is that faith cannot be an empty religious practice that is self-serving or that is, or, or that is meant to keep me happy. It has to be centred on a person, which is Christ, and it has to also make a difference to the people around us as well. So point, I've only got two points, they're, they're both long Oh, the first one's a long one. Faith in Jesus must be a life-giving exercise. Over, over time, there, there is a tendency in, in any person of faith to move beyond this, you know, God, God's grace and forgiveness of our sin and can, and can instead give way to a sense of overbearing rules and regulations that just robs us of our joy. And churches have a tendency, not talking to anyone in particular, we, that we, we, have, we have a tendency, to, tendency to, to love the way that we do things more than... Love the way that we do things and, and how things are done here and, and our preferences rather than what is at the centre, which is our saviour. And sometimes when that happens, we've got, to, we've got to stop it and start doing it differently and keep Jesus at the centre. And that was going to be the last song. I can't do it, but anyway. Um, when, when, when you lose the saviour, you, you lose everything. When you lose the reason you do what you do, when you lose the why... The tendency can be to go through the religious motions and just keep on rolling and hope it comes back, but it won't because you've, ne- because you've lost your starting point and you've lost your... You see, faith was never meant to be a long list of requirements and observances. It was meant to be a life-giving relationship with a life-giving God. As a church, Sunday morning has got to be about a life-giving relationship with a life-giving God. And it shouldn't be a half-hearted experience. It shouldn't be something that we do half-heartedly. It should actually be one of those things that, 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 is, that is a life-altering celebration, celebrating the rule and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We will continue working on Sunday morning and we'll continue making it better, not because I'm driven by perfection, not because we're driven by excellence, but we are driven by the fact that Jesus is at the centre of this and he deserves our best. That's my motivation for Sunday morning. Okay? Sunday is important, but it's not a performance. And I think over time, Christianity in many respects you have this tendency for it to become a spectator sport, and it's not. So, so, so our attitude for Sunday morning has to be not to come and occupy a seat and not go through the religious motions. And let's just face it, post-COVID, one of the things that, that, I, that I've read more than once is that, it's easily to be, that church is easy to become one of those things that just becomes a, a consumer-related question about what's in it for me. And I think at the very centre of of faith, it's not that at all. Faith, a life-giving relationship with a life-giving God, is meant to be about what you contribute rather than what you get. You see, you, you being here might be the reason 
that somebody who is new or somebody who is struggling in their faith walks away encouraged and spurred on and better connected. And, all, and you know what? One of, one of the things that came out of our vision so far is that many in this church love the feeling of family. I do too. There's nothing wrong with a family. Family is, family is great. But there is also a danger with family. Family can become insular. Family can become a, a little bit too concerned about ourselves. And I think I take the position, just, just to let you know, that Sunday morning is not just about family. It's also, about, it's also an extension of our mission. Sunday morning means... That, that there's got to be space for, peop- for, for other people to join the family as well. And then slowly, the church gets better because, those pe- because people who join our family use their gifts and the church works better. That, 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 that's how it works. So the attitude has got to be, not me, but we. That, the attitude can't be, a religious observance the way it's always been done. It's about a life-giving relationship with a life-giving God. Why is it I can't get that phrase out of my mind? There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> now, I, I've lost my place. That's what I've done. So growing... For a healthy family is a priority, right? Growing is a good thing and the church shouldn't be any different. We're working on, by the way, on some welcome packs. We're working on some digital welcome packs. We're working on a whole heap of things. In July, we're going to hold a newcomer's lunch because I know there's a lot of people around the church who are new, who have been here probably about as long as we have or since we've, since we've come. And that isn't because I'm any good, by the way. That's just because the church is a family and we've got to make make space for them I'm, I'm looking forward to having a newcomer's lunch I'm looking forward to, to buying lunch for a bunch of people and saying we want, we, we want you to belong here as well right church is not about just ticking some religious boxes it's an opportunity each week to give of ourselves and to rediscover the person of Jesus Christ who is, who is essentially the centre of it all but then to live like Jesus in a life-giving faith that serves the people around us. Now, I've been, I've, been, I've been here for 18 months and spent a lot of that time worrying about what we can and can't do. And we know that COVID is going to continue being an issue, right? We know that sport's going to continue being an issue and, and, and illness and, and sickness. And it's just going to continue taking a toll. I, I, I get that. <sighs> But I also want to say with much love and respect and care to each of you that it feels like in many respects many of us are just going through the motions a bit and that's got to stop. Faith is meant to be life-giving and how long we let this, this shadow overshadow us is up to you. On the weekend, when we come together, it should be with expectation. And I, I, you know, look, look, yeah, it's, it's, it's Vision Sunday, essentially. I'm not coming with any, with any crazy ideas here or anything like that. What, I, what I'm saying is that on this day of any day, we should come together with a sense of excitement about what God is going to do in this body rather than wondering about what he's already done so far.
And I think it's like a necessary part of that journey is for each of us to take a step of faith, even if it's a small step, even if it just seems like a, seems like a step out of bed or, or, or whatever the case might be, take a step forward and, and, let's, and let's just do it together. Um, that's what... Um, on each of your chairs, there's a bit of paper. It's called Kingdom Impact or something like that. And if it... The last time we did, last time we did a survey in our church was about five years ago, I think. I looked, at, I looked at this form a little while ago. I really like it. I want to try it again. And remember that the you know, the, the picture of a church is about is about a body where every where, where it gets better because everybody plays a part in it. I was trying to do push-ups this morning. Can you imagine trying to do a push-up with one hand? It it wouldn't work. You'd be staying on the ground, right? So every everybody has got a role to play. I, I can't do one hand of push-ups. That's that's I'm not that good. Um, there's that's why there is a place in that document for everybody to indicate areas you might be interested in serving because that's how the church gets better. But, but there's also a second part there that I really want you to notice on the back, on, on the back, side, of the, back side of the document. This is, this is me putting my own little spin on something that probably has never been asked and maybe it's going to be a little bit difficult for you to answer. I think that over, I think that, I think that over history... What, what, what has happened in churches is that we have become too centred around a, a, an hour on a Sunday morning rather than forgetting the other 167 hours of the week. That's not a criticism, it's just an observation. I, I worked in a challenging job that was very, very... And, and I've got to say that church... You know, I, I, I've said this before, I'm, I'm, sure, I'll say it, I'm sure I'll say it again. My, my, my expectation was that out there was a war... And in here was, in here was uh, was safe. That was that was the feeling of be, of being a police officer. Um, Jesus says at the end of chapter two there a little sentence that that, that just struck out to me: the the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Now maybe maybe there's nothing in that, but 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 Jesus is not saying Jesus is saying that obedience to me and surrender to me as Lord must be the center of everything you do, and it's going to be a lot more than a couple of half-hearted songs on a Sunday. It's got to be every day of the week. It's got to be every day outside these walls as well. So we're not trying to do anything crazy in 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 this church that can't be replicated in a lifestyle of mission outside of these walls as well. So we do need to actually, I, th- I think, probably, you know, probably you know, look forward in, in years to come to some better ways to actually do mission together and to support our existing ones, like you know, playgroup and, and youth and plenty of others. But I also want to recognise this morning that, that amongst many of you, you're already on mission, Right? Many of you consider your workplace as your, as your mission place. Many of you consider your school as your mission place. Many of, many of your parents consider maybe your most important mission is at your place. You've then got, um, you know, retirement villages, hospitals, extended families, pe- people working in not-for-profit things. I know, I know Graham, like, you know, contributes at the SES. There's... There, there are a million other, million other, 
other things around this room that people already work on mission and you from from this moment forward if I haven't spelled this out clearly enough for you you have the backing of your church and of your pastors to go on mission in that place I want to know where you are on mission and I'm going to promise you something this morning and I'm not sure how I'm going to find time in my week but I am even if I have to do less. I will promise you this morning that if you'll fill out that bit of paper about where you are on mission and the demands of that mission and how we can support you, that I will pray for you and I will personally reach out out to you and encourage you regularly. That's just me being an ex-copper, noticing the gap that I saw in in my previous churches. It's not a criticism, but it's something that I've got to do that God's put on my heart. So I want you to take some time at some point this week and fill, it, and fill that out. Don't rush filling it out. Do it, do it prayerfully. If, even if it takes you a month, to, a month to do it, do it and do it prayerfully. Okay? I do, I do want it back today. Because it gets lost, right? <laughs> you can use the paper version. I even got creative and, and created a little QR code on the back. So on the back of it, if you pull your phone out and do the little QR code thing, you can do it on your phone. So if you want to do that, you can, you can do that. Okay? I just, I just want to mention for some of you that, that doing mission is a struggle. Right? You, might, you might actually be sitting here today going, I've got no idea where my mission field is. I've got no idea what that is right, right now. I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do it. And, and maybe this is just a part of the discussion for you to, 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 to question and pray and seek God and ask him, what season of life am I in and where would you have me be all that you need me to be? Maybe the second point will actually help you. The second point is, faith in Jesus means that there's no wrong time to do the right thing. Maybe I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but, but can, I, can I just suggest that our, our faith and our church has to be life-giving. Sunday's got to be life-giving, but it's got to make a difference in the lives of the people outside of, the, outside of these walls. Je- Jesus is standing in a... He, he's standing in a synagogue on the Sabbath, faced with a genuine need for restoration and healing that only he can bring. Like God, God has put him in a place where he can make a difference. I've, I've had that phrase running around in my, in my head for the last month. Where, wherever you are, make a difference. And most of, most of the people who are watching Jesus have pulled out a clipboard and are trying to figure out what's, what he's done wrong. That cannot be how we respond as a church. That cannot be how we do things. Okay? I think it's interesting here that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus actually quotes some words that Moses used. Was it, was it Moses? I think it was. Deuteronomy 30, I think. You know, at, the, at the very end, Moses, is, Moses is, uh, is not going anywhere with the people. The people of Israel are moving on. And you've got this situation where, 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 he, where he urges people 
to choose life or death. And he says, push forward with God and choose life. It's interesting that Jesus uses these same sort of words here and he essentially puts in, puts in front of the people who are listening to him a decision. And what he says to them is it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. It's never, never the wrong time to make a difference right in front of you, especially in situations that can't wait until tomorrow. The problem is that many of us live too fast, don't we? We mentioned this a little bit last week. We're surrounded each day by a myriad of needs. We've got no idea which, which ones really are, you know, whether, whether, whether the need is next door or down the street. or Some, some of them are really obvious. Others are really, 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 really hard to pin down. Some of them are spiritual. And like last week, we, we, we need to actually walk a bit slower and with that Holy Spirit awareness and go, God, where, where are those opportunities and where do you want me to make a difference today? Like that, that, that is probably the sort, of, the sort of thing that I'm talking about. This part of living on mission is living with a Holy Spirit-led willingness to look for opportunities and to jump at them when God gives them to you. Can, can I just say that of all the people in the world, of, of all the people in the world, it should be the church whose citizenship doesn't really belong to this world, who live the most generously. It should be the church who actually live with open hands rather than holding on to stuff. It, it, it should be the church that seek to bless people and, 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 and I guess try to encourage people at every opportunity we have. We, we are the people... who God would have make a difference. There's a lot of other people... I've just noticed, that just on our, on our Wang Radar Facebook page, there always seems to, be, seems to be this case of, you know, like people buying fuel for the car behind them and, and buying McDonald's for the person in front of them and all, and all that sort of stuff. I'm not criticising that. It's a, good, it's a great thing. What I'm saying is that for people whose citizenship is somewhere else, Learning to live with open hands is something that we've got to do. There is never a wrong time to do the right thing and bless somebody else right in front of you. That should be just part of our lifestyle as Jesus followers. I, I honestly wonder how many opportunities we miss because we're too busy or we're too self-absorbed or we, we just, we, or, we, or we just doubt that God actually said that, or we don't really care if it matters, or it would actually cost us something. I wonder how many opportunities we, we miss. And I wonder what, what difference we could make if we could live with that boldness to do it. I, I was reading an article during the week. A pastor of a church over in America, this must be like a, a charismatic one, They've got all these, all these miracles happening and Holy Spirit things happening and I'm, I'm, I, lo I love what he says. I love what he says. If any, if any move of the Holy Spirit stays within the walls of the church, it will die here. How interesting. The way to change murder rates crime 
domestic violence, drug abuse, and so many other issues in our communities, is for the people of God to be so filled with his spirit that we carry his power outside of these walls. I love his prayer. My prayer is that what we've seen in the church, in his church obviously, is, is only just the beginning of what our communities desperately need so much more of. Church, we, we don't need empty religion. We don't need to... We don't need to overcomplicate it. We don't need bigger and flashier and stuff we can sell better. We, we maybe don't even need better facilities. I'll just put that one out there. What we need most of all is to keep Jesus at the centre of our life and keep him at the centre of everything we do and to allow his spirit to fill us to a point that what little mustard seed of faith that I have turns into a life-giving relationship with a life-giving God and church, you can't give what you haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. I sense, having said all that, that many of us this morning are a little bit lost about how to find it. We, we all want a bit of a life-giving faith, right? We all want a bit of a life-giving faith that actually requires us to step outside of our comfort zone a bit. We, 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 we all want a faith that doesn't look wooden and doesn't look religious and doesn't look empty. We all want a bit of that. We're just not quite sure where to find it. And the only person I can tell you to find it in is that Jesus has to be the centre of everything you do. It doesn't get any more complicated or overcomplicated than that. If we try to rush ahead with God and create some, create some awesome vision things that sound better but leave him on the outside, this church is going nowhere. It'll take as long as it takes because he's got to be the centre of it. If it takes two years to get it right, I don't care. But he must be the centre of everything. He, he must be. And church, he must be the centre for you as well. I can't give you anything else apart from the person of Jesus. I'm not that good. But he's amazing. Can somebody say amen? He's amazing? He is amazing. Let's pray. God, I feel like I've gone around in circles this morning and, and this sermon's gone nowhere. But these are your words. And God, I trust that you have a plan and a purpose. I am convinced, Lord God, that you don't want us in a faith that is just theoretical and doesn't actually cost us something God faith is meant to cost us everything the journey of following Jesus is a journey it's a struggle some days it's hard to get out of bed it's hard to get here 
But God, it's far more than just here. It's the, it's, it's the people outside of these walls as well who need to hear that, the, that Jesus is Lord, who need to hear that he's got to be the centre. And when he is the centre, well, life is, life is just better. God, for the people this morning, maybe, maybe, maybe who's religious, um, God, we're sorry for those. We're sorry this morning if our faith has become anything more than you. We're sorry this morning if our church has become, if our church or any other church has, been, has, has become distracted on things that really don't matter rather than the person of Jesus Christ and rather than what he means. God, I pray that you would move us from move us from a just just a thought that God exists and he looks after us and everything's good. Move, move, move us, God, to people who are transfixed by the person of Jesus Christ. Move Move us, to peep, move us to a place of life-giving faith that's going to give people who carry a checklist plenty of things to tick off. God, if you want to stretch us, we ask just for the ability to let you stretch us. Lord, for, us, God, 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 for those this morning who, who just... The thought, the thought of doing anything is just overwhelming. God, I pray that you would help us to move out of our comfort zone in a sense and move forward to where you want us to, to go. Lord, we ask that, you, that we would be able to see the world your way. We'd be able to see people outside these walls your way. We'd be able to love people in this church your way. We'd be able to love people outside of this church your way. God, I pray that you would give us a willingness and the ability to let Jesus overtake every part of our lives and to live like it matters.